What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. Today is Monday, November 29th, 2021, and it is another edition of Victory Monday here on Locked on Dolphins, which we are absolutely, positively stoked for. We're going to get into everything, immediate reactions from the Dolphins' big win over the Carolina Panthers to push this team to 5-7, and seven, 500. It's within sight. So what do we need to know? What happened? What went right for the Dolphins? All of that here and now on Locked On Dolphins. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Mm, that is delicious. Welcome to Victory Monday here on Locked on Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and as juiced as I have been about this team since the end of week one of this season, winning, they say, that the saying is that winning cures all. And I think it's important for us to keep perspective on what the limitations are that exist with the 2021 Miami Dolphins and moving this team forward from here. But damn it, does it feel good to have another victory Monday on the show. And we are facing the proposition of two games upcoming against the New York teams, the Giants, the bye week, and the Jets. There's a lot to be excited about right now. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first listen of the day. Whether you're listening via the YouTube stream, Locked On Dolphins, you're listening via the podcast feed, whatever your preferred method is of listening, I'd imagine everybody wants to hear about a 33-10 to 10 victory for the Miami Dolphins. This game if you take away the dumb bs this very easily could have been a shutout for miami at the end of the day you look at the box score uh 33 to 10 final score dolphins over panthers at hard rock stadium and the dolphins had a significant statistical advantage in just about everything They nearly doubled Carolina's rushing yards, 111 to 64. They were three for four in the red zone versus one for two for Carolina. Uh, Nearly a 40 to 20 advantage in time of possession. Carolina turned the ball over three times, Dolphins just once. Uh, Miami... 22 first downs, Carolina 10. And in just about every phase of the game, 35 penalty yards for Miami, 61 for Carolina. If it were not for one 64-yard completion from Cam Newton to DJ Moore on Carolina's second possession of the game, and whatever in the hell happened at the end of the first half, Carolina would have had zero points 
in this contest. ESPN cited this as Cam Newton's worst statistical performance as an NFL pro quarterback. Cam Newton's worst game as a pro. Welcome back, Cam. Welcome back. It's great to see you. And, uh, of course, Miami dominated Cam Newton and the Panthers' offense so much that Cam Newton was benched in the fourth quarter of this contest in favor of P.J. Walker, who completed as many throws on 10 attempts as Cam Newton did in 21 attempts. Miami, five sacks in this contest, just two uh, for Carolina, and and that was one of the big storylines for the Panthers coming into this game is the ferocious pass rush of Hassan Reddick and Brian Burns, and you saw this early on, and Burns was a nightmare. And we continue to see the Dolphins trot out Jesse Davis. Not not a care in the world otherwise. It's just he's the best option. We've got a right tackle. We're going to make the the best of it. And uh, there were a couple of drives that were killed by negative plays from the offensive line. Uh, But this was a complete team victory because the Dolphins, uh, throughout the course of this entire game, 198 total yards allowed, 10 points allowed. Special teams scored seven by themselves on the blocked punt on the first Panthers possession. Two interceptions in the first half. And it was a lot of young guys. Obviously, Xavier Howard had another pick, number 25 in his career for number 25. Uh, That's a cool moment. He's continuing to climb his way up the Dolphins' all-time charts for Dolphins players and defenders. But it was Javon Holland who had an interception himself in this contest. It was Jalen Waddell finally having explosive plays. He had a 57-yard catch and run and a 25-yard catch and run. Nine for 137 and a touchdown on 10 targets. Very efficient in this contest. Jalen Phillips, three sacks in this contest. Holland with the pick. Tua Tungvaloa, a very efficient game. 27 of 31 for 230 yards and a score. His fourth performance in the last five games with a quarterback rating over 100. And obviously, everybody knew how good this Panthers passing defense was coming into this game. So the storylines for Miami, optimism aplenty. Never mind Philip Lindsay coming in and running his ass off. 12 for 42 on nine, uh, with a long of nine yards. Uh, had a very different energy about him when he ran the ball. And this could have gotten worse. This could have been a, a bigger margin of victory for Miami than 23 points. They're fourth in a row. The Dolphins now sitting at five and seven. You're going to have to be 500 to enter the playoff conversation. And I said, was it two weeks ago uh, after the Baltimore game that Miami would need to win four in a row for me to take the playoffs conversation, the P word seriously. And I'm still not quite there yet, but this is not outside of the realm of possibility when you look at the Saints who have lost four in a row. And they're on deck after the two New York teams, the Giants and the Jets. If Miami takes care of business, 
in the next three weeks, and one of them is guaranteed not to be a loss because it's the bye week. If you take care of business against the Giants and the Jets, you have a very reasonable chance to finish this season above 500, which when you consider what we were talking about in weeks four, five, six, and seven amidst a seven-game losing streak, it is wild to consider. But yet that's where we are. And this team has flipped a switch. Uh, Kudos to Miami for making the most of some of their young talents. Obviously, Philip Lindsay coming in and getting 12 carries and, and rushing for 42 yards, that's probably more optimistic than I would have set the bar. But Jalen Waddell, revelation. It's weird. It's almost like you hit this guy in stride. He can make explosive plays happen. And if you were going to take care of business against Carolina, you got to look at the next couple of matchups for Miami, and you got to feel really good about it. You have to because of the way that they are playing, the momentum and the belief that they are playing with. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but not before I tell you all about our friends over at DirecTV. I want to tell you guys about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. DirecTV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. And the best part is there's no annual contract, so stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Before we talk about anything else for the Dolphins, I do think it's important that I make a disclaimer. So if you've been following Logged On Dolphins on social media the last two weeks, you've seen the celebratory shots that we have taken for the three and the four game win streaks. And they're very popular. Everybody loves this talent that I have. Uh, I can drink <laughs> a healthy amount of adult hard liquor in a short span. And I can do so responsibly from the comfort of my own home or last weekend, in the case of last weekend, uh, at an Airbnb with my wife uh, for her birthday. And every week, we add one finger of depth to the pour of the drink that I take. The Dolphins have won four in a row. And if you're even if you're not a math person, you can do the math and understand that four plus one is five, which is a very large pour of beverage, as if four was not already a large pour. I am committed to continuing the bit for the sake of content. But what I am not committed to is drinking myself into a stupor. So here's what we're going to do. If this winning streak continues, I want to make the pledge for everybody to see it here and now. I will continue to drink the depth of fingers as necessary, as many games as the winning streak continues, uh, but I will be breaking them up. I will not do them all in one shot. I will have 24 hours to pay my debts. That is my promise to each and every one of you. But I look at this Dolphins team. And I think some of the more impressive things that took place in this game uh, were once again, 
situational football things. You take into consideration the fact that this was a dominant performance on all three phases for the Dolphins, but also uh, in the second half of this contest, Miami's first possession of the second half was 13 plays, 80 yards, 7 minutes and 24 seconds for a touchdown. Jason Sanders missed the extra point. But this was a half of the third quarter possession for Miami. Their next possession, 10 plays, 19 yards for 6 minutes and 34 seconds. 10 plays, 23 yards, 5 minutes and 22 seconds. This is what we haven't seen Miami be able to do with any level of consistency over the course of the past half a year. String together drives and plays when you have to. Miami, all of a sudden... Last week against the Jets, in a close contest in the second half, two possessions that took a great amount of time off the clock, possessed the football, milked the clock, finished with points on the board, and helped to situationally close the game. In this contest, Miami going into half, whatever in the hell happened with the fumble, Austin Ryder, uh, at the end of the first half, Miami was looking like they were going to extend their lead to twenty-one or twenty-four to seven. Fumbled snap, ran back fifty-something yards with one second left on the clock. Carolina gets a cheap field goal, and then they come out and they fake a punt and they get it. And it's like, okay, here we go. Like this is going to be a big swing. Miami forces a stop, and then they go 13 plays, 80 yards for 724 and make it 27 to 10. So in what could have been a 13-point swing against Miami's favor, Miami buckled down after the air. They forced a punt. They possessed the ball for a long amount of time. They had three consecutive possessions. They, they had four possessions in the second half, and the first three of them were 10-plus plays, and they all resulted in points. That's outstanding situational football for the Dolphins. You have to be encouraged by that kind of growth from this team. Now, of course, is it too little too late? We're going to find out. You really wish you had it back, what the errors were that you had against Jacksonville and Atlanta earlier in the season and the Raiders game. But we can't play the shoulda, coulda, woulda game. We drive ourselves mad. And you could do that every year. So we're, we're not going to do that. And what we are going to do is acknowledge this is a team that uh, had their struggles early on. Uh, but they are playing good football right now on all three phases. Shout out to Duke Riley, who blocked the punt after having a very strong performance last week against the Jets. Uh, seeing him come into his own in the second half of the season has been great. Can we please bury all the bullshit about Jalen Phillips being a bust. My guy came into this game with three and a half sacks, and he had strung together a number of games in a row in which he was credited with a sack. Three and a half sacks entering this contest. Uh, and in the past month, he had a full sack against the Jets, a half sack against Baltimore, a half sack against Houston. 
and was involved in more quarterback pressures than that. Credited with three sacks against Carolina, which is going to give him either six or six and a half, depending on how they split uh, potential sacks. And he had a pass defense at the line of scrimmage. It's weird what happens when you get into a game situation which a guy who's been a stone-cold killer in just attacking the pocket is allowed to just attack the pocket. Same thing with Jalen Waddell. Um, I seem to remember along with everybody else, everybody else was bemoaning uh, the Jalen Waddell selection back in the end of week six uh, because Waddell versus Kyle Pitts And Jamar Chase wasn't putting up 200-yard games. Well, here we are. All of a sudden, Jalen Waddle, 137 yards and a 57-yard catch with a touchdown in this contest, a really good catch in the red zone and several really good catches over the middle of the field. And Marcel uh, Luis Jaquez uh, from ESPN, during the Dolphins' four-game winning streak, Jalen Waddle is second in the NFL in both receiving yards with 346 and receptions 29. And yet we were out here at the end of week six calling this guy cold food. Saying you don't blame the cook for cold food. Now, of course, big picture perspective, there are questions that beg to be asked. Why did it take this long for this level of play to materialize? And of course, this is an alarming trend over uh, the course of Brian Flores' three seasons in Miami. Uh, traditionally winning in September has been a non-existent factor. He's won two games in the month of September in three seasons. We can't have this. This cannot be a sustained model. But if things continue to proceed as planned, and by when I say as planned, I mean when you look at the schedule and you acknowledge the games that are left to be played. If this team finishes, despite a 1-7 and seven start, at eight and nine or nine and seven or eight and nine, nine and eight or 10 and seven, any of those three outcomes, I think you bring back Brian Flores. You're probably going to bring back the vast majority of the coaching staff. I would like to see some experienced coaches brought in. I think that is a must to help a young team continue to start fast. Uh, whether or not Tua Tungvaloa is a piece of that puzzle, I think this was a good game for Tua Tungvaloa. If we were to evaluate Tua Tungvaloa and his play uh, over the course of both this contest and, and looking at since he came back from the injury that he had uh, with the ribs and the return that he has put on display, this was a game that was a Perhaps his best performance of the season. Uh, I think for what's interesting is for all the talk of the lack of explosive plays that does exist with Tua, Baltimore, 64-yard completion, catch and run, Albert Wilson, who, by the way, please, Albert, just get upfield and get the first down next time. 65-yard completion, touchdown pass to Matt Collins. 57-yard completion to Jalen Waddell in this contest. This is three consecutive games with a 55-plus-yard completion in the passing game, courtesy of Tua Tagovailoa. His quarterback rating over these three games, 104, 108.7, and 108.3. 
Obviously, the Buffalo game was tucked in there on Halloween. And then the week before that was Atlanta with a passer rating of 109.5, four touchdowns and two interceptions. All things considered, it's a very respectable performance thus far uh, from Tua Tungvaloa. Is this enough to get everybody on board? I don't know. Is this enough for the Dolphins to be able to sell the offensive coordinator position? Because I still really struggle with the idea that you're just going to bring everybody back. I would like to think so. I would like to think Tua Tagovailoa's performance, if the Dolphins continue to win and they finish with eight, nine, or ten wins, and Tua continues statistical performances like this one, which have limitations and have continued areas for improvement, we're going to talk about them in just a minute, that you should be able to, to sell this job. If he does enough to sell coaching and management and ownership, that I can be the guy. Hang in there. Double down on me. And he has the statistical production and the wins to back it up. I would like to think it's going to be enough that you can get a respectable OC in here to run this offense. I can tell you I've been sold on our friends over at Built Bar. Uh, listen up. It's the best Monday of the year, Cyber Monday, and Built.com is the place to aim your mouse Get at least 20% off everything delicious and healthy. That's 20% off site-wide. Even bigger discounts at on Built Boost, Built Broth, and Built Swag. A brand-new Built Bar flavor has just landed in time for Cyber Monday. Caramel Almond Delight. It is delightful, I can say. Uh, delivers everything it promises. Caramelized chocolate. Check. Almonds. Check. Delightful. Double check. Be sure to get yours before they're gone. 150 calories and 17 grams of protein. Per bar, and this season, maybe you're craving white chocolate for a limited time. Get a specialized Built Bar Puffs flavor white chocolate cheesecake, which smacks, slaps, whatever the kids are saying these days, this does it. I guarantee it. Uh, the yummy protein treat filled with marshmallowy center, covered with white chocolate with 140 calories per bar and 17 grams of protein. Tis the season to save and give your taste buds the gift of Built Bar. Go to Built com for these incredible tasting new bars and 20% off everything that is built.com enter promo code locked 20 before it is too late please do it coming off the heels of Thanksgiving weekend and Thanksgiving with leftovers means lots of football and nothing goes better than with football and turkey and betting. Bet Online has you covered for all the holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for the sports action this Thanksgiving and all holiday season long. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus with promo code locked on to receive your bonus. It's not just football. Bet Online has pro, college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC and even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, and they are stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. So let's close uh, with a couple of things here. I want to talk about Tua Tungvaloa, but of course it also bears mentioning uh, the Dolphins, you would hope, have the potential to get a little healthier. Michael Dieter, 
practiced last week, was not activated. And based on how Austin Ryder played against the Jets and played against uh, the Panthers and snapped against the Panthers, it would be high time for Michael Dieter to come back into the starting lineup. Uh, it would be a huge win for Miami to get their starting center back and be able to have their four of their five most physically talented players. And I say four of their five because I refuse to believe that Jesse Davis is one of the five most physically talented offensive linemen on this unit, uh, as evidenced by him having several plays blown up, whether it was the jet sweep to Albert Wilson or the uh, sack from Brian Burns off the edge in which Tua appeared to have missed. Uh, I don't want to, I don't think it was mesh. Might have been a drive concept. It might. It was something that involved Albert Wilson across the middle with another crosser deeper layered over top of that. And to his eyes, started right. And by the time he worked left, he missed the middle of the field read with Albert Wilson in man coverage in which two Carolina Panthers defenders smacked into each other. One fell over. There was an opportunity over the middle of the field, but he could not, either did not anticipate it, could not see it, whatever it was over the middle of the field. And his eyes continued to go further left, and he was sacked by Brian Burns. Jesse Davis. Tough. Um, getting Michael Dieter back would be huge, but then there's Devontae Parker and Will Fuller. Who knows when we may see them back. Uh, they are both eligible, I believe, to come off of IR this week. Uh, Will Fuller is for sure. Brian Flores has teased they're getting closer, whatever that means. But if the Dolphins can add some of these guys to a pass-catching group uh, that has seen Jalen Waddell really take over a dominating role, and obviously Mike Gusecki, who was quiet in this football game, hard to say. You, you put your starting center and some more of your offensive weapons back in for a, a, an end-of-year stretch. I like what they were able to do with some of the tight ends. Uh, Durham Smythe, I'll give him credit. The motion into under center quarterback exchange for some short yardages. This is a good example of what I, I want to finish with, with Tua. I, I think Tua, he's not a perfect player, right? And I know we've said this before. But I think he's showing enough flashes in his style of play that if you want to fully commit to that style of play, I think you can win a reasonable amount of games in the NFL consistently with a quarterback like Tua Tagovailoa. And the assumption was when the Dolphins drafted him, that was what they were going to do. And much of the pushback and the trade rumors that they endured earlier this season in the offseason seemed like it was because somebody didn't want to commit fully into that boat the way that you would have to in order to get this done. But uh, those limitations, and every quarterback has limitations, right? And every quarterback is a scheme-specific type of fit and player. If you're going to acknowledge the limitations that take place, then like, yeah, running quarterback sneak under center with a quarterback who's six foot 215 is probably not going to work with a lot of consistency. So motioning a tight end, kind of like the Kansas City Chiefs do, as the broadcast alluded to with Travis Kelsey, allowing him to get under center when he's a six foot four, 250 pound athlete instead of two six foot 215. That's a limitation with Tua that if you have a wrinkle that can work around that, 
great. And that's, that's still on your menu, right? That play is still on the menu for plays that you can call in short yardage situations. They did it twice. They converted twice for first downs. That's great. Um, I, I do think the distribution of targets and, and the lack, the high volume passing, but passing that does not really push the ball down the field with a great level of consistency. Uh, this is a the modern era West Coast type vibe where this can can work as in a lot of these play action passes and RPOs and uh, it's it's an extension of the running game uh, for teams. And I think you see that with Tua Tagovailoa, who, uh, for the second consecutive week, was pretty modest as far as targets beyond ten yards downfield. In this contest uh, against the Carolina Panthers, he was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, five of eight beyond ten yards downfield. No attempts uh, further than. 18 yards downfield, just one attempt further than 15 yards downfield. Some of this is because of the offensive line that Miami has with the disaster situation offensive tackle, uh, but some of this is also tailoring the game to Tua's strengths as a ball handler and decision maker in real time at the snap in the RPO and play-action passing game. And that can be okay. 31 attempts, not a lot of volume beyond 10 yards downfield. It's not going to look super sexy, and there will be those who point to, and you know he does have to continue to perform against the high-level defenses, and obviously Carolina has a lot of production against opposing defenses in the passing game this season. That's why I think this was one of the most efficient and impressive performances, 27-31 for 230 yards and touchdown for two of the season. He had the luxury of the big catch and run from Jalen Waddle. A couple of chunk gains helped boost that average. But this was kind of what this was supposed to be. That's why you drafted a guy like Jalen Waddell. That's why you brought in a guy like Will Fuller. And we want to see this team continue to space it out. But the ideology with bringing in a run-after-catch guy like Jalen Waddell was so that you could continue to distribute the ball in short spaces within 10, 15 yards in an RPO game and play-action passing and let those guys do the work for you after the catch. So if you see guys like Waddell continue to uh, improve their work after the catch, and you see Tua continue his anticipation and get the ball to them on time, you can continue to see a better yards per attempt average despite not necessarily doing a bombs away approach to running your offense, and that's perfectly okay. But I do think as, as this season continues to progress, if Tua continues to perform the way that he does, it's going to be a big notch in his belt for affirming the initial belief that was involved in drafting him at number five. And there are limitations with that style of play, but I think it's important for us to remember there are limitations in every style of play for every quarterback. But you got to get people excited about being involved in what you can provide from an offensive perspective from a coaching perspective and a free agency perspective. And that's what's so important about this final stretch for Miami and what this four game winning streak has at least introduced and got us talking about a little bit. That is going to do it for us. A victory Monday episode of locked on dolphins is in the books. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm your host Kyle Krabs here on locked on dolphins. Cheers. 
Hope you make it a good one. Fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. We got a great week ahead of us, ahead of the Giants game. Five and seven. Getting closer. We are climbing back into this thing. Let's take care of business this week against the Giants. One week at a time. The cliches, we're going to be living them this week. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Thanks for listening.